What's good, Cubers? It's your boy, Matt. And your lady, Lori. And welcome to Cube for Two and You, where we discuss all aspects of Cube and magic and how they relate to us in the Cube community, and more importantly, where we just sit around and goof off and talk about cardboard. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about on our inaugural episode. Is that is that the right word? Inaugural? No, no, sure? I don't think it's inaugural. Like, it, it, it's not? It sounds very self-important of you. I, I don't think that's the it, correct it, word. It, you think it's a malapropism? I don't know what a malapropism <laughs> is, but it probably is that. Okay, well, welcome to the first, the first episode of Cube for Two and You. Um, just to start things off, I guess today we thought we'd talk about uh, some Ikoria cards we've been playtesting in our Cube and our thoughts on those cards. Yep. So, so sounds good. So without further ado, let's get started. So we playtest the Ikoria cards in our Eternal Cube, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about what that cube is? Yeah, we call it the Eternal Cube, but that's not really a format. Um, so our cube is a uh, traditional unpowered cube. It's uh, it's about 416 cards. Uh, it should be 415, but we play one Nicobolus for flavor because that's how we roll. Because we like it that way, that's, yeah. That, that's fair. <laughs> um, the environment is pretty quick. Aggro is a very real thing in our cube. So when you say it's a quick environment, what do you really mean by that? I mean, if you're not interacting, aggro will murder you on turn four and certainly on turn five. Um, so if you're just if you're just messing around inside our cube, uh, you will get messed up when the uh, the red aggro deck comes to town. Okay. So when we play test Ikoria, can you kind of explain how that happens and how you pick the cards you want to use? Yeah, so if you uh, follow me on YouTube, we, we do have a YouTube channel. I should say I, I have a YouTube channel, and you make a guest appearance occasionally. Occasionally, I make a guest appearance. Um, so yeah, I read through all the cards in a set, and then I review them on our YouTube channel, which is Cube for Two, if you're interested. Uh, and I create a video on that, and then from that video, I pull the cards that I actually want to play test inside our cube. And I try, and sometimes I'll cut things that are comparable, like maybe I cut a two-drop aggressive creature for this new two-drop aggressive creature. Um, but you don't always want to do that. Sometimes I want to compare two cards against each other. So maybe I leave both of those two drops and see which one decks like better. And yeah, yeah that's how we play test. And we typically will play test when a new set releases. We'll, you know, take some of those cards that we want to try in our cube and play test them for a couple weeks. Yeah, when a new set comes out, we play test everything under the sun. Um, God, when War of the Spark released, we played all the new Planeswalkers, even the bad ones. We played all the Planeswalkers, plus any other card that was remotely cubable. I think we had 30 or 40 playtests easy. Yeah, uh, we actually changed the name of the cube around the house to the War of the Spark cube, or Invasion of the War of the, the Spark. Or, yes. It, it, was, was, it was something like that. It's a very it was, epic name. Yeah, yeah. It was a <laughs> For a lot of mediocre of Planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah. Well, all of that is uh, great. Let's get started on the Ikoria review. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get started. So the first card we've decided to playtest was the Luminous Broodmoth, which was a two white and two other insect creature with flying. Whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battleground under its owner's control with a flying counter on it. And this creature is a 3-4. So have, have we've played Broodmoth just a couple of times. It hasn't come up that much. Um, it came up in a Mardu aggro deck is where it saw its uh, first, first playtest. Um, and I was playing the, the Mardu Agri deck. What did you think of it when I, when it hit the field? I thought that it was pretty sweet, actually. Um, anytime those 
regular small creatures that you had in your deck died. They came back flying, and that was really hard for me to deal with on my end of the field. But we also didn't get a lot of play out of it from the times we've drafted. We realized very quickly that it doesn't belong in every deck. Yeah, the Luminous Broodmoth like several other cards in cubes, is like a secret guild card, it seems like. It's not actually a card that you play in an Azurius deck. Like, those decks, a lot of cards already have flying. So the Broodmoth isn't very good there, even if it's in, like, Azurius Tempo or something. Um, and it's not very good in the... Uh... Control. Yeah, it's I not very really good. I see it in Control. No, it's not very good in the Control deck either. So it pairs horribly with blue. Um, it's pretty good with black, Mm -hmm. um, the Orzov Aristocrats thing is very real, and I think that's when the Broodmoth is at its best, is when it's uh, letting those black creatures die and come back. Oh yeah, there's the dream of having some kind of blood artist oh, trigger God. on the field, and then having Luminous mm. Broodmoth, and oh yeah, sure, I'm just going to sacrifice my tokens and my creatures here, and oh by the way, I'm going to gain life and you take damage. It feels like living the dream. We have yet to actually live that dream though. Yeah, the dream hasn't actually happened yet. And instead, I was kind of sad about having it at the top of my, my curve. Like, it was great to let my lower guys crack in, but I almost wish that I had had Hero of Blade Hold, something to just let my guys go a little wider. Really? Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> you're looking at, I know we didn't talk about this before. No. I really I really do feel that way. Um, like, I feel like it's great in the Orzov, you know, sacrifice deck, but in, like, a regular Boros aggro deck, I might, I might just rather just be wider. I hear you, and... I respect your opinion, but I'm going to play the wife card and say we keep playtesting it for a little bit. No, no, I'm not ready to cut it yet. It hasn't come up enough. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm not as impressed as I ought to be, I suppose. I certainly don't feel the need to rush out and buy that $50 foil uh, Mothra. No, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in the foil. I'm actually not a big fan of the crazy art uh, Godzilla versions Look, of these we're, guys we're, we're trying to keep listeners all right don't be hating on the godzilla art <laughs> I, I can't help you can cut that part that's that's fine <laughs> cut it oh uh, yeah it, it won't make the last draft for sure um so we're gonna do these in wooborg order in case you hadn't figured it out so uh mm -hmm. luminous yeah. broodmoth is actually the only white card uh that we are play testing um and so that's going to take us to blue and the sea dasher octopus Okay, so the Sea Dasher Octopus is two blue and one other for a creature, a 2-2 creature. He has Mutate for one and a blue, and he has Flash. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. And I think we have been unanimously disappointed with this card. I wanted it to be good. I so wanted it to be good. It has been a letdown. So Mutate feels like it's got a couple of different modes on it. But the Sea Dasher Octopus doesn't actually. <laughs> yeah, I think the only time you got any benefit from mutating him was when you were already swinging in with a creature. You flash mutated on top of the creature and were able to draw that card. But as a 2-2 creature with flash, I doubt you're going to get much um, damage to, to draw that extra card. Yeah, the, th the three mana mode where I flash him in on instep and try and crack in is, is horrible. Because if there's anything on the board, he's not getting through. Um, there's no evasion on him. Quite frankly, he might as well might as well just cut him and play Curious Obsession, which is the old uh, Ixalan enchantment, you know, where mm -hmm. you enchant the creature and you hit him and you draw a card, and I think it's got some other upside on it. I think it goes against the blue color profile. With Flash, you expect to flash something and during someone's instep so that you don't have to waste that mana on your turn, or perhaps you flash something in as a blocker. But his ability is is beneficial when he deals damage. So it's almost like a combat trick 
that yeah. you put him on a creature after that creature is swinging, and then you get to draw the card. It just doesn't feel like what Blue wants to be doing. No, and, and it's really not much of a combat trick either. Most of the time, I know I'm getting in with the creature, so the flash isn't really a surprise. Instead, I think, you know, just curious obsession for one mana, and we know that enchantments aren't good enough for cube. Yeah. Um, but no, a three mana 2-2 two, two that just can't get through the board. I we'll, We're going to play test him a little bit longer, but... I was really excited about this card to where I was looking for foil alternate arts as we were cracking pre-release kits up to at pre-release and and we didn't open one and now I'm not mad <laughs> that we didn't. No. Uh, no, Sea Dasher Octopus has not been uh everything he's cracked up to be so far. No, and and we were actually doing the pancake draft where we're picking a lot of things from the uh Ikoria set. And he's in one of these packs, and we're deliberately trying to pick the yeah, cards. Yeah, we're trying we're to playtest play these cards. And then you see the Sea Dasher Octopus, and you're like, "Oh, I don't want to take that. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> but, pass it. They we'll can just have pass it. it. They can have it." This Vendillion um, click looks really sweet. Right, I'll take that. right. But but we do eventually have to playtest these cards, and I think the fact that you don't want it should speak volumes of the fact that it's not really suitable for our cube. Well, I did want it, but. Anyway. Well, we've playtested it. I don't know that it needs much more playtesting. We'll, we'll give it another few drafts, um, but I think it is very likely that uh, something is coming back. Uh, most definitely. Also in blue, we have Neutralize, which is a two blue and one instant spell. It says counter target spell, or you can cycle it away for two colorless mana. So what have your thoughts been on Neutralize? I think we've both had the chance to play it uh, a few times each. I think it's really great, actually. Um, now, keep in mind, I'm not really a blue player, no, to no, be fair. <laughs> so you're probably playtesting this card more than me. But having it in my hand early and not needing to counterspell anything, well, fine. I didn't need to counterspell something. I'll cycle it away during your instep, and I'll get ready for my next turn. Or if I find it later in the game and I have it in my hand with the mana available, yeah, it's a it's a good counterspell. So... I've been happy with it as a cycling card, and I've been happy with it as a counterspell. What about you? I've been really impressed with Neutralize. Um, three mana counterspells are bad. <laughs> That's my experience is three mana counterspells are bad. Um, but a three mana counterspell that can help you hit your land drops is not bad. Yeah, Turns it's out modal. it's not bad. There was a moment today when uh, we were drafting earlier and playing, and... I had to decide whether I was going to hold up three mana. I had four lands on the field. I had to decide whether I was going to cast my two drop and not have a counterspell available or whether I was going to cast nothing and hold up neutralize on your turn. And that felt awkward. That was a, a play line I didn't enjoy. Um, but it's not like we cut a, a two mana counterspell to try this out anyway you know no. like we're playing this in in place of i think cryptic command right now right and um, if you don't know cryptic command oh by god the way, yeah it's yeah here we go it's a three blue and one colorless instant that gives you a choice you can counter target spell return a target permanent to its owner's hand tap all con creature creatures your opponents control that's the mode you never use yeah you never you never want to tap your opponent's creatures but even with cryptic command it does cost less than neutralize and I just think Neutralize is easier to play. Yeah, there's no doubt that Cryptic Command is more powerful than sure. Neutralize. There's just no doubt about that. But Triple Blue is awkward, even in a cube whose fixing is as good as ours. Yeah, um, absolutely. You, you can, you, you, you know, there are moments, we play Niv-Mizzet for a long time, and he, you know, he's he's castable. 
Well, I'll tell you, you're not going to play Cryptic Command on turn one, two, or three. No, you're not. But you could possibly neutralize and cycle it away on turn two to get another land drop or get something else you're looking for. The ability to be flexible and play it early game or late game, I think, was a win, at least for me. Yeah, I've I've been really impressed with Neutralize. The card is really solid. It's it's good. I don't actually think it's going anywhere. No. I I think it's really good. No, I'm fine with that. I like it. All right, so uh, up next, uh, we've been playtesting Voracious Great Shark. For three and double blue, you get a Shark 5-4. Flash, uh, when Voracious Great Shark enters the battlefield, counter target artifact or creature spell. So we're playing this uh, in Dream Eater's spot. Go ahead, tell me what you think about it. Okay, first off, it's a shark, okay? It's a shark in cube. Da-dum. I don't... <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't think of sharks when I think of Magic the Gathering. I don't think of, oh, it's a great white shark. It's going to bite me and it's going to flash into the field. It, Actually, doesn't, it doesn't feel very magical to me. I think there's a great white shark in the dark way back in like OG Magic sets. That is before I started playing. However, the actual card itself feels pretty dang good. Yeah, Richard, it's, it's, it's all right. It's not yeah. bad. Um, I'm really, I actually think it's like one of those uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other kind of cards. True. Where like, the, it, it's not Torrential Gear Hulk. It's not Torrential Gear Hulk. And it's not, you know, any of the other premium blue creatures. I would play Cavalier of Gales over Voracious Great Shark. You know, the triple blue and two flyer that brainstorms when he ETBs. Um, there are moments where you just have to flash him down and not counter anything. And those moments feel bad. Yeah, um, but you start your turn with a 5-4 with body. Yeah, 5-4 body. I mean, that has to be all right. Yeah. If you didn't have to counterspell anything, oh well. Yeah. Um, you don't get to uh, two and three for one your opponents uh, the way you would necessarily like to uh, with some other cards. Like, you're not going to be able to counter an artifact or creature spell during combat most of the time. So it's not like you're going to be able to respond, flash, counter, block. You know, like, you're not going to be able to do that. The way Dream Eater feels really busted sometimes, because you can flash him, bounce the biggest creature, and block and eat the other. Right. And then surveil for. Right. And he's got flying. Right. But the body on the Great Shark, it, it four toughness matters. Uh, yeah, 5-4 will take something out. I just wish there was a way to get maximum value. <laughs> I want to do all the things. You want to do all the things. You are so a blue player. You want to draw all the cards, you want to cast all the spells, you want all the value. But look, if you're in like a budget cube, I think this is a slam dunk include. Yeah. If, if you're just getting started, there's nothing wrong with playing the Voracious Great Shark. He, he's not premium blue, but he's fine. I think I'll probably put Dream Eater back in even after a little more playtesting. I think the Surveil 4 is, yeah. is so strong on the back end. Well, and in our cube, the Surveil Mechanic mechanic allowing us to put things into the graveyard allowing us to look at those cards that's what blue um and black want to do yeah that's that's what demir wants to do yeah and the ability to put stuff into your graveyard is something that we have decided is very valuable in the cube in general yeah absolutely graveyard is 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 basically an extension of the hand if you're doing things right Mm -hmm. yeah so he probably will come back all right i'll let you read the next one okay next up was shark typhoon For one blue and five others, you get an enchantment. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. You can also cycle away this card for one blue, one other, and X. 
When you cycle away Shark Typhoon, create an XX Blue Shark creature token with flying. So either way, you're probably going to get a flying shark. Sharknado. Sharknado. Card yes. is so sweet. So I have actually been very impressed with this. When we were just doing the Ikoria playtest, I wasn't really impressed. But once we've combined it with our cube cards. You mean when we were like pre-releasing, you were Yeah, impressed. pre-releasing. Yeah. When we were pre-releasing, I wasn't as impressed. But once we've put it in our cube, it has felt pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I, I, I Obviously, I was there when you were pre-releasing. I think you made a fundamental mis- mistake when you were pre-releasing. Probably. You what cast I- it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. what, that's a learning curve. You yeah. Know, we, we learned from that. No, you don't actually cast Shark Typhoon. You do typhoon not cast a Shark Typhoon. If you don't have some non-creature spells you're planning on following it with. I was hoping, I guess, Yeah. I would get those non-creature spells. I'll draw spells. them. We'll get there. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. No. So, um, if you don't have the non-creature <laughs> spells, go ahead and cycle it away. So I I freaking love this card. Shark Typhoon is so sweet. I think the uh, the 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 personal struggle that I have with it is trying to I have to make myself cast it. I always want to hold it for one more mana to make a four four instead of a three three. Well, God, you know I could hold it a little bit longer and I could have a five five instead of a four four. If I hold it a little bit longer, I could have a six six instead of a. And so the the goal for me is forcing myself to cast it. But when you make a 3-3 a three, three or a 4-4 four, four shark and draw a card that's uncounterable and maybe block and eat something, you just it, it feels disgusting. Absolutely. And the ability for you to cycle it away at flash speed. Yeah. So whenever you need it. Yeah. Oh, I need me a flyer right, right now. now. Okay. Well, cycle it away. Yeah. It's I, I'm impressed. I have been really impressed with Shark Typhoon. I'm not sure what we took out for it. To play test, but I don't think it's going to make it back in. What do you think? No, no. Fibblethip is not coming back. Ooh, we cut Fibblethip to we play did. test this? We did. Bye, Fibblethip. No, Fibblethip's not coming back. He ain't coming back. But I do want to say, uh, listeners, I Fibblethip is fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He's not He's not gross. He's definitely not Shark Typhoon. Dude, flying shark, though. You know, Flying like, shark. We You pay two mana. You know, Fibblethip is uh, blue and one to play a one-one and draw a card. And Shark Typhoon is... You know, one a blue and two mm-hmm. to get a one-one flyer and draw a card. But it doesn't and, have and, to be a one-one flyer. But it doesn't have to be. It scales up, and yeah. so it just yeah, it outclasses yeah. Fibblethip all day. Yeah. Um, but I was not mad about Fibblethip either. Like Fibblethip no, was fine. I, but it's just okay. It's it. It's the, okay. Shark Typhoon I, I think feels I would prefer disgusting. to have the flying shark. Yeah, yeah. Shark Typhoon feels feels gross when yeah. you do it. Okay, so that was all the blue cards we play test. The next card we have is in black, and it's Heartless Act. For one black and one other, an instant. Choose one. Destroy target creature with no counters on it, or remove up to three counters from a target creature. Yes, indeed. And we are playing this in place of Doomblade. Uh, and Doomblade is one in a black instant. Destroy target non-black creature. And the, the, the reasoning, the thought is there are more black creatures in the cube than there are creatures with counters on them. Therefore, Heartless Act is just more flexible. Yeah, I, I doubt that you're going to use the second ability much in cube and worry about the counters. I just don't see that happening often. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about non-black creatures, well, approximately 20% of your cube has some black in it. Yes, So <laughs> about half of that being creatures. Right, so I, I've got to think that Doomblade has more limitations it does. than Heartless Act. 
However, I was gonna say you're the black player. Tell them, tell them how it played. However, um, I'm playing against you, and you've got your Is It deck out, and you've yeah. got another Ikoria card that we're going to cover in just a minute that adds counters. And I should have Heartless Act upon cast. Yeah, before, right after before you, you could board. get those counters. Yeah. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to me that once he got a counter on him, that that creature, once it got a counter, I couldn't get rid of it. Mm-mm. That that heartless act was worthless. Yeah, the best you could do is shrink him. After the best that. I could do is shrink him, but they didn't get rid of him. Yeah, no. So, and and I think that was just a, a mistake on my end yeah. playing it. I still think that heartless act is a good removal. Card. Yeah, I think that was a corner case scenario. Oh yeah. Um, and obviously it came up a couple of times because we were playtesting those same uh, decks against each other. Um, but no, a Heartless Act has, has impressed me. Like, it's mostly it's unconditional removal. Um, I, Heartless Act, I think it's just a straight upgrade over Doomblade. Uh, yeah. It's not going anywhere. I think maybe Doomblade comes back in if I can find something else I want to cut, uh, just to give Black a little more uh, mm-hmm. density uh, of removal. Mm-hmm. But, but Heartless Act is gross. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think we can leave Heartless Act in there for now. Yeah, for sure. So another Black card. I was really excited to playtest this one, and I think we have differing opinions on this one. Yeah, so Bastion of Remembrance is two and a black for an enchantment. When Bastion of Remembrance enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 human soldier creature token, and then whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So it's Zulaport Cutthroat on an enchantment for one more mana. Yeah. And it's going to give you the token yeah. when you play it. So it's not completely like you're playing an enchantment without someone out there on the field. You do get a creature to come with it. Yeah. I was really excited about this, but I, I love my aristocrat type decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't actually played this card. You've been the one that drafted it. Yeah, I played it in that Mardu uh, aristocrats build. So Bastion of Remembrance feels great and horrible. All at the same time. For me. For me. Obviously, we're very early in the testing process. It hasn't seen as much play. Um, so the great part is when you slam down that Zulaport cutthroat effect on an enchantment. And you don't have to worry about it getting bolted away or swords to plowshared or whatever. Because you know, Zulaport cutthroat blood artists, they are a magnet for removal. But good luck removing my enchantment. I think for me, the crappy part is paying three mana and feeling like all I did this turn was make a 1-1. One, one. But that's not all you did. Yes, you made a 1-1 creature, but you've put an enchantment out there that's going to last you the rest of the game, most likely. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Um, there is th- definitely some, some value to be had there. I mean, you're going to be gaining life anytime a creature dies, and you're going to be pinging your opponent every mm-hmm. time a creature dies. And it's a creature you control. Yeah. But still, I mean, if you've put this in the right deck, not every deck's going to want this. Hmm. I don't think the control deck cares oh god no but if you've got tokens yeah or if you're even you could even put this in an aggro deck because you know you're going to be trading some with yeah uh your your other cards and your creatures so i think for me the situation that happened and obviously we haven't play tested it but a couple of times um is i'm holding bastion of remembrance in my hand and midnight reaper and midnight reaper has the mm-hmm. same casting cost it's black and two others and he's a 3-2, and whenever a creature dies, I lose a life, but I draw a card. So I can play Midnight Reaper and swing in with my little guys and draw cards to get more gas, which felt like the right play. Or I could play this enchantment and make a 1-1 and swing in and let my dudes die and do the Zulaport Cutthroat thing. 
Um, it felt awkward in the curve of that deck. I don't know that that's always going to be the case. You know, our aggro decks curve out around three most of the time. Like, that tends to be the top of their curve. Sometimes they play a four drop. That is true. I'm not done with it. I definitely want to play test it a little more because the idea that it can't be removed feels great. Well, I think when you're playtesting this card specifically, you need to think to yourself, would I rather this be a Zulaport Cutthroat? Because that's what you took out to playtest yeah. this card. Would yeah. you rather it be the creature that just sits there and once the creature is gone, you've lost the ability? Mm-hmm. But yeah, he does come in to play one mana sooner. Um, so... I guess as you're playtesting, you just need to think that in your mind. Would you rather have the creature that costs one less, or is the enchantment actually worth the extra mana that you're paying for? I think it probably is still better than Zulaport Cutthroat. I think paying the one colorless for the permanent blood artist, like this is sticking around, that permanent effect, is probably worth it. Yeah, it just felt awkward on curve in that deck at that time. I think that's the only time we've had a chance to play uh, Bastion. I think you played it like once today. Um, but it wasn't in like a, it was like into an empty board. Didn't get to do its thing. Yeah. I, I didn't get the creatures out there to get the benefit off of it. I really wanted to, but you know. You were in the process of dying. I do that a lot, apparently. <laughs> so we did playtest Luca Coppercoat Outcast, a legendary planeswalker for two red and three other. And he has a lot of text. You want to help me with the text? No, I haven't played him. Have you played him? <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, I don't think we have playtested him. I don't think we have anything to say. <laughs> uh, he he was sweet in Ikoria Limited, mm-hmm. but he just hasn't come up in Cube Draft yet. Yeah, like, he'll he'll get his time in the sun. We're not going to bother to spend time reading you a card and talk about one that we haven't played. Know that it's in the cube, and uh, if you want to, you can always shoot us a question later and ask us how it's going. We just haven't seen it yet. Next card was Gem Razor in green. For one green and three others, you get a creature beast that's 4-4 four, four with reach and trample. He can also mutate for two green and one other. And whenever this creature mutates, you destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls. And I'm going to tell you, I've playtested this creature. You have playtested the crap out of this card. I have playtested him a lot. And every single time I do it, I don't like it. And we've we've talked about this so many times that there's nothing wrong with a creature that cost four. Mm-mm. That is a 4-4. Four, 4-4, four. Four, four, reach and trample. With reach and trample. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, so why does wrong. it feel so bad when you can't mutate with him? Because it does. It feels bad. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I know you haven't been able to play him on curve yet. You know, you haven't dropped a Landwar Elf and then turned two mutated Gem Razor onto a Landwar Elf. Like, you haven't been able to do that yet. Um, I don't know why it, it feels bad. I think it's just got to be additive distraction that you are greedy and you want that extra value, and I don't blame you. But mutate actually seems to lead to some complicated play lines where you really have to make some decisions. I, I really think that mutate on this card specifically with Gem Razor, it's additive distraction. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, you really just need to play it as a... 4-4 four, four creature with that reach and trample. You yep. don't need to mutate it. Most yep. of the time, that is the correct play. And you just need to be okay with that in your hand as you're playing. You know, there's really no upside to mutating. If there isn't a artifact or enchantment on the board, why are you saving him? Yeah. You shouldn't save him in your hand. It's just additive extraction. Play it. Play it on turn four. Play it on turn three if you've got, you know, those mana dorks and some curve and stuff happening. Um, but yeah, I... 
it's not a bad card. It just feels bad. Yeah, I I haven't had a chance to play with Jim Razor yet. You've you had him in your pre-release kit, and then you've had him uh, in cubes several times. Um, I think for me, when I'm deck building with Jim Razor, I might try and think of him as a spell instead of a creature. I know he is a creature, but when I'm laying my deck out, I might think of him as like, oh, this is my uh, this is my return to nature uh, effect down here. This is my artifact enchantment removal down here. And that way, I'm just kind of adding to my my creature density overall in my green deck, which wants that. But then I still have like this pseudo spell effect that I'm running almost as a spell, even though it's really just an extra body for me for me later. I think I actually disagree okay. with that. I, I think when you're playing Jim Razor, you need to think of him as a creature. And you're just playing him on curve just no matter what? Just play him on curve. Because let's think about this. A lot of our green decks have that reanimator ability. So if you do play him as a creature, he goes to the graveyard, mm-hmm. you can reanimate him. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a 4-4, four, four, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I think we were playtesting him in the place of Trumpeting Herd, which yeah. is a spell. Yeah. I can't go back into the graveyard and get Trumpeting Herd again. I well, can't do it. No, it casts itself again on your upkeep, though. It, it does. But you're right. Like, you can't reanimate it when you're in I can't reanimate it. I can't attach um, those enchantments to it and pull it out of the graveyard. Yeah. Jim Razor does count as a creature, and I think that is definitely an upside to this card. I also had an interesting playtest um, with him where... Ah, uh, that's right. I had played Woe Strider, and when he comes into the battlefield, he makes a goat. Yeah. Well, I mutated Jim Razor on top of the goat. That was the game and that was felt able gross. to swing in with a four-four with Reach and Trample. That really felt pretty good. Yeah, that was the game he felt gross. And yeah, you, you ate something of mine when you did it. You so, mutated, ate an artifact, and then yeah, and you the the thing I, I think, think that I actually ate your um, top. Yes, yes, you ate divining top. top. Yeah, yeah, um, and I had to like tap and throw it back on my library in response, but um, which wasted my next draw because mm-hmm. now it's on top of my library i think the underrated thing about mutate is pseudo haste yes when you mutate jim razor onto that goat mm-hmm. you can just turn him sideways immediately yes and so now you have a four four with reach and trample for three mana and haste when you mutate and get to swing in and that feels gross yes i, I do feel like jim razor is a good card you need to understand when it is opportune yeah. to ma- mutate with him and when it's a better idea to just play him as a creature because the creature itself is fine. Yeah, yeah. play lines. Play lines are really important with him. Yeah. But Be the smart. card is very good though. So we also play tested Kogla the Titan Ape oh, for yeah. three green and three other. You get a legendary creature ape that is seven, six. When Kogla, the Titan Ape, enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Whenever Kogla attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. You can also pay a green and one other to return a target human you control to its owner's hand, and Kogla gains indestructible until the end of turn. Yep. And so far, that last line is just flavor text. Yeah, it's just flavor That's text. not happening. Yeah, we, it doesn't really apply very much. No. Now, I have play-tested this one the most. Oh, without a doubt. And I got to tell you, it feels bad. What? He's King Kong. What do you mean he feels bad? I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like him. So if you counterspell him, there's really no upside. Yeah. I, I didn't get any perks from yeah. having him. 
if he goes back into my graveyard, I have to reanimate him. Mm -hmm. I think we were playtesting the Honored Hydra in his place where we swapped him out. Yeah, we did. Let let me read Honored Hydra for the people at home. It's not a common cube include. By the way, you should be cubing it. Honored Hydra is sweet. So Honored Hydra is five and a green for a six, six snake Hydra with trample. But it also has Embalm. So for three and a green, you exile this card from your graveyard and you create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a white zombie snake hydra with no mana cost and you Embalm as a sorcery. So you pay six mana for a 6-6 Trampler and then when he dies it goes to your yard, you pay four mana and you get another 6-6 Trampler. So when he dies, he like draws a copy of himself. Yeah, the the snake hydra sounded pretty nice, but we're not talking about him. We're talking about Kogla, the titan ape, who lands on the field like a big cinder block and does nothing. It's <laughs> he like fights. no, I'm, of course he fights. Okay, so we're we're in the Looney Tunes, and you drop an anvil on someone's head, but after that, there's really no benefit to having him <clears throat> on the field. I, he doesn't trample. He <clears throat> doesn't reach. He doesn't embalm out of your graveyard and come back. Not having trample is really a noticeable downside. If I'm going to spend three green and three other, which is not exactly easy to do, Mm -hmm. because you're splashing lots of colors most of the time. So having three green and three other to get him out there, yeah, he destroys something, but I I want more. Yeah. I want want more from something that is that big and expensive. Carnage Tyrant, he's not. Carnage Tyrant, he is not. No, I, I... I was really excited about Kogla. I thought he might be one of the the best green sixes that people could be playing in cube. You know, did top you really five, think that? Like top five or six, maybe. Did yeah. you really think I, that? I think I really said that in the YouTube Ooh, video. Whiff. Um. So I have noticed you playing Kogla. I think the ter- you played him one game and he came down and he ate. You know, a sizable creature, and I thought that felt really good. You saw him. Yeah. You played against him I once. Did. You don't have any clue how many times he was in my hand, and no, I looked fair. at him and thought, "I'd rather you be something else." That's 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 fair. I don't I don't know that. So yeah, I'm telling you, it, <clears> he's <throat> not easy to get on the field, and his upside is not as up as some other cards at the same CMC. Well, well, there you have it. Cogless time might be numbered uh, inside our cube. And the uh, the attack trigger, though, when he attacks, kill an artifact or enchantment. Is that what he says? Yeah. Um, How many that, artifacts and enchantments it, it, it is your opponent going to have? It just hasn't been relevant at all. So what you're really paying six mana for is you're paying six mana for a 7-6 fight effect. Mm. Um, yeah, so Honored Hydra, you you could be returning. And, and I just want to rep honored hydra again like i'm really pleased with honored hydra oh yeah the honored hydra uh, yes you know. so uh, you know as soon as we're play testing honored hydra is gonna come back and cogla the titan ape can go crawl on top of a building and just hang out <laughs> i'm done with them <laughs> but we opened that really sweet foil i appreciate it. you can put it in the notebook and you can stare at that pretty foil all you want but i don't want to play with them in my cube all right well let's talk about a card that has overperformed then overperformed absolutely let's talk about Titanothorex. Yes, let's. For seven and double green, you get an 11-11 Trampler uh, with one and a green for cycling. So cycling one and a green. Uh, When you cycle Titanothorex, put a trample counter on target creature you control. So I included this card on a Lark. Just like, I, I thought like, you know, cycling is pretty good. Maybe we can cycle it into the yard and, you know, reanimate it some and that'll be sweet. Uh, Titan Rex is surprisingly good so far. Oh, I have been impressed when I've had him in my deck, and I have been impressed with you playing him against me. 
the seven and two green cost on him just it doesn't matter. You're not it casting does this not card. matter. You're not gonna cast not, him for no. full cost. No, if you drafted this card, you had no intention of hard casting. Of course it. not. You could even play him in a deck that's only running a little tiny bit of green. It's just splashing green, so you can cycle him away. I'm so glad you brought that up. So story time, boys and girls. Uh, I was playing a is it uh Kiki Jiki deck. We we Winston drafted. I didn't have enough playables. So I splashed green and included Titan Rex purely so I could just cycle him away. I'm just going to play him as a cantrip. And you are playing this Golgari reanimator oh, yeah. oh, thing. Yeah. I had a nice Golgari deck. Yeah. And I think I played Exhum to yeah. get a creature out of my graveyard. Yeah. Because you didn't have any creatures in your graveyard. Absolutely not. And now's the best time to play it. So, of course, in response, I cycle Titan Rex into my yard and you exhume some very nice 3-3 three, three something or other. And I exhume Titan Rex onto the battlefield. And then on my turn, I untap and kiki-jiki him and beat you to death. That was that was sweet. Death was <laughs> swift and quite painful, I have to admit. I thought I had it all under control. I had the advantage. You had no creatures in your graveyard. No, no yeah, there's nothing over there. Uh, that was certainly not Who, the case. Who's that man behind the curtain? It's a big man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big Titanoth Rex. I, I just, I can't undersell the he bends himself. He yeah. bends himself. Yeah. And it's just so sweet when it happens. Those Golgari decks, especially. God, the ones with it. the reanimator yep. were always trying to find a way yep. to get that big gnarly creature into the graveyard. Yep. All he does, he comes to your hand, pay two. I will sacrifice. I will go to the graveyard. Put me in the graveyard and I will come back and smite someone. And I will help you find that reanimate yes. spell when yes. I go. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's, it's great. I'm loving it. I yeah. really am. So next up is your girl. You have played this card a ton. Why don't you tell the people about it? I have been playing Vivian Monster's Advocate as much as possible. She is a Planeswalker, two green and three others. Now, her standing ability allows you to look at the top card of your library at any time, and you can cast creature spells from the top of your library. Now, she plus ones to create a 3-3 green beast token, and you can put your choice of Vigilance or Reach counters on that creature, or Trample. Uh, we have found that Reach is typically the best. Pick Reach every time, Pick boys reach. and girls. You can also minus to her. When you cast your next creature spell this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser mana cost. Yes. And put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. So I've been very pleased with Vivian. Vivian is gross. Um, tell the good people how many times you've done that minus two. Um, none. None. No, nope. no, you don't need it. You know what you do? You just plus her. Yeah. You just plus her and win. I mean, at first I thought she seemed kind of nice, but being able to plus her to make a 3-3 beast with reach or vigilance, but most of the time you won't reach, it seems really nice. So she's coming out onto the field. She's protecting herself. And then, yes, I, I paid the five mana to have her. Next turn, I'm going to get another free beast if you don't destroy her. And I can just look at the top of my card, top of my library, and just cast creatures for days. Which led to what I think is the grossest uh, turn we have seen in a long, long time. Yeah, that was a, a great play. So you had Nissa, uh, who shakes the world on the field, doubling your green mana. Mm -hmm. The following turn, you drop Vivian. Mm -hmm. And you plus, make mm -hmm. a beast with reach. Yeah. And then you untap and peek at the top card of your library. And what's up there? I think it was 
ooze? Yeah, biogenic ooze. Biogenic ooze. So uh, biogenic ooze sneaks into the field and creates another ooze. Yep. And, and then, then uh, the next thing that was on top of my deck, I think it was... It's Fight Wolf. It's Wicked Wolf. The Wicked Wolf. Yeah. And you and ate something of mine. I ate something when it entered the battlefield. And the next thing on top of my library, because I've got all this extra mana, thanks to <laughs> Nissa, um, was Phantasmal Image. Okay, so yeah, it was Phantasmal Image, and I copied Ooze. Yeah. And I made another Ooze. And then token. you went to instep. Yeah. And put and counters all on all my your oozes. oozes got oh, bigger. God. That was a really sweet turn. No, no, no. Mm. One, two, three, four, five creatures in one turn. I was dead. Uh, For those of you who are listening at home, we don't need to talk about how this game turned. I died. I died and it was quick. It was very quick. I was very dead. It was so much fun. Oh my gosh. And and Vivian just, she just kept me going. I didn't have to draw the cards. I could just play right off of my library. That was a really nice standing ability. All right. So like you're not going to play three creatures off the top of your library. Experimental frenzy style every game. You're hoping to play one. But the beast tokens... They're three threes. Yeah. That makes them bigger than almost every token in cube. Mm-hmm. Um, so they block all the one ones. Reach, though. <laughs> yeah, I always pick reach. I picked flying once. and uh, No, you, you did not pick flying because she doesn't give flying. You no. picked... Uh... Oh, I might have wanted to give it flying. <laughs> yeah, I think you picked vigilance. <laughs> you had flying and I wanted reach. No, I picked <laughs> vigilance instead. That was not as good. So you had your flying creature out and I've got my nice, strong, vigilant creature in Okay. Yeah, yeah. Viv- Vivian died. Vivian did. She, she died. Because my 3-3 three, three beast with Vigilance doesn't do a thing against flyers. Nope. So nope. that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, Reach is the right choice. We've pretty much found that Reach is the right choice. Reach is the right choice. Every time. Regardless, yeah. even if it looks like there are no flyers, you still pick Reach. Yeah. Because um, keeping Vivian alive means you win. Yeah. Yeah, like if she doesn't get removed, you win. That brings us to the multicolored section. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so first up in the multicolored section, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this card because we, we haven't really had a chance to playtest it much as Luris. We're playtesting Luris. So for one in Hybrid Orzov, Hybrid Orzov, you get a 3-2 legendary creature, Cat Nightmare. Luris has Companion, of course. Each permanent card in your starting deck needs a converted mana cost of two or less in order to play him as com- as Companion. He has lifelink, and then during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent spell with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard. Um, I think you have had him once in a deck where you just needed an extra body, and you played him as a 3-2 to help fill it out. Because we were Winston drafting again, and you were just short on playables. Um, well, or not playables, I've had him a couple times, and I've playtested him mm-hmm. as a creature body. The lifelink was nice once. I have not been able to companion yeah. him. I don't think that that's going to be really relevant uh-uh. in most cases. No. But I, I don't think mm-hmm. I can really give a good feedback on him yet no. as I haven't been able to. He's never been in the deck he belongs in. Correct. Yeah, you know, Correct. he hasn't found the Orzov Aristocrat deck or the, the Rakdos aggro deck or the Mardu aggro deck. I think that's where he really belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just he just hasn't made it into that deck yet. He will. I, I'm not really concerned about Lurus. I think he's going to be gross. Um, I'm more worried about nerfing him for power than I am about him being cube good. I actually don't know that he's going to be gross, but I don't want to give too much feedback on him yet because we really haven't playtested him That's very fair. much. That's fair. Well, let's move on to a card I have playtested quite a bit. Um, and I just I just knew that Boros was such a soft guild that the Regal Leosaur would make it. Uh, why don't you read the Le- the Regal Leosaur for the good people at home? Okay, Regal Leosaur is one red and one white for a 2-2 dinosaur cat. 
The regal Leosaur can mutate for one hybrid Boros, hybrid Boros. And also whenever this creature mutates, other creatures you control get plus two, plus one until the end of turn. I need to tell you, boys and girls, regal Leosaur is not a creature you want to play on turn two. No, he's not. You don't. There's no upside. No. There's none. No. I thought, you know, I thought that he would be okay. That worst case scenario, I would play him on turn two as a 2-2 vanilla in the aggro deck. And best case scenario, I would drop him on turn three as a mutate and pump my board and swing in hard. And it turns out he's not really even a three drop. You don't want to mutate on turn three. You just might not be, you're not wide enough yet. He's really like a four or a five drop, like, because that's the turn you want to play him on. I would say that the Regal Leosaur is a finisher. Yeah. He might cost only one red and one white, but he is a finisher. He's not for early game. He's not even for the middle of the road game. You play this card, you mutate, and you win. But it's at the end of the game that you want to play him, not yeah. early. Yeah, he he's... I'm disappointed. I really wanted him to get there. And, I, and we're going to playtest him a little more. He hasn't made it in a dedicated Boros deck he was in that weird mardu deck i was playing because we were winston drafting so i'd like to see him in a dedicated boros deck but i have already felt how awkward he is in my hand and when i want to actually play him and a lot of times my board isn't like you have to be wide pumping one other creature with Le with the regal leosaur feels just horrible it feels bad you're better off just playing him as another creature i think at that point well like if, if you you're not gonna play it when you go wide you might as well not be playing him in your cube at all yeah so I, I've been unimpressed. I really hoped he would get there. Boris is such a soft guild. Like, that, Which is that why guild... he's going to get to stay around and do some more playtesting. There's yeah. not a lot of other things that we are super impressed with about the Boros cards. Mm -mm. I do think that the Regal Leosaur can be valuable. You mm -hmm. just need to play it as a finisher. You just need to know. Yeah. This, don't don't this... be confused. He's not a two-drop. You If you're playing him on turn two, uh, things aren't looking great. There's so many better white two drops and red two drops that you would rather be playing on turn two or colorless two drops or colorless two drops so yeah i'd much rather play the phyrexian revoker yeah uh than the regal leosaur on turn two and just name your planeswalker yeah that i saw last game even like sure. still um so yeah so he hasn't been great so far um but we can talk about someone who has been pretty good Ooh, who's been pretty good surprisingly <laughs> the the do rat do rat has been pretty good <laughs> Give the people his real name. All right, so on the Godzilla card, I think his name is Dorat, but uh, his real name is Sprite Dragon. So for blue and a red, you get a 1-1 Fairy Dragon with flying and haste. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Sprite Dragon. I gotta admit, I was just thinking that Sprite Dragon was, all right, fine. You you have a 1-1 one, one flyer. Like, yeah. Whatever. Good for you. Yeah, good for hand, you. Hand clap. Right? Yeah, I good mean, for you, you. you got a cute little fairy dragon. Whatever, move on. That has not been the case. Nope, card's pretty decent actually. It's been, it's been. Now it was in a dedicated Jeskai spells deck. You know, the deck's only running like twelve creatures in it. But when when you put down Sprite Dragon on turn two, you get to crack in immediately. Like haste isn't nothing. First of all, so you get a little value right there, mm -hmm. and then they have to kill him. That's the best part. You have to kill him because he gets out of hand. Well, if you don't have any flyers, you have to use some removal to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. And 
it feels bad to use solid removal to get rid of a sprite dragon, a 1-1 flyer with haste. But you got to understand, he's not staying a 1-1. No, no, he is not. He's not staying that way because anytime you ponder or preordain or counterspell something, boom, he got bigger. Boom, he got bigger. Boom, he got bigger. Yes. Every turn, I would cast something he would get bigger and gain value. And in the meantime, I bolted whatever you were going to play away. Oh, yeah. You're going to bolt my creature and make it bigger. Great. Yeah. Now I don't have a blocker and you're going to hit me for more. Yeah. If 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 you are a peasant cuber at home, I you need to be playing this card. Absolutely. It's, Sprite it's Dragon is sweet. Down. It's like Sahili and Sprite Dragon. Um, now, he is not Sahili good. I'm not trying to say that. But I have been pleasantly surprised. 1-1 one, one counters are big game. So let me ask you this. You were actually playing the Sprite Dragon when I used real removal on him. Yeah. How did you feel? Great. That's the, <laughs> that's the other messed up part, is that when you had to Assassin's Trophy Sprite Dragon, that you I felt fantastic. You didn't have to tell our viewers I wasted an <laughs> Assassin's Trophy on him. That makes me seem... Uh, but, but I did, though. I had to. It had to be done. It had to be done. And I felt great. Like, you had to use quality removal on my two drop that I'm not really that attached to. He just keeps accruing value. The first counter is good. The second counter, when he becomes a 3-3, three, three, it's on like Donkey Kong. And any bigger than that, I'm going to win this game quick. Yeah, that's that's why I had to use my Assassin's Trophy to get rid of it. Yeah, so, yes. so you used Assassin's Trophy on Sprite Dragon. Well, great. That means when I cycle Sharknado, my shark's going to stick around. Oh or, no, not the flying shark. <laughs> or uh, you know, the other other thing that happens is is you'll play threats that are more scary than Sprite Dragon. Yeah. And he gets to stick around by virtue of that. Yeah. I play Sprite Dragon on turn two, I play Monastery Mentor on turn three. Sprite Dragon isn't eating your removal, the mentor is. Which means he still sticks around and gets bigger and accrues value. Yeah, he seems like an innocuous little creature, but the fact of it is He's valuable, and he plays well, and he's probably going to be staying. Yeah, he, he needs a dedicated spells deck. Like, a dedicated spells deck. He's not going to be in a deck that's, you know, 16 creatures and 8 spells. That's not the home for him. But in a dedicated spells deck, he did all the things today. We are playtesting Fiend Artisan, which is hybrid Golgari, hybrid Golgari. Yes, for a creature nightmare that is 1-1. One, one. When Fiend Artisan, he gets a 1-1. Plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. You can pay X and hybrid, hybrid Golgari and tap him. Sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Activate the ability only a time that you could cast a sorcery. Yep. Have you played with it? Uh, we don't have it yet. Yeah, I know. I ordered it today, actually. I just broke down and ordered one. Yeah, I do think that this card's going to be fun to playtest, yep. but we just don't have it yet, so I can't give you any really good feedback on it. We'll, we'll play with it. We'll figure it out. It's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But let's move on to the last card we have been playtesting, because yes. I, I actually opened several of these. Um, and so let's talk about Keenan, the Bonder Prodigy. I love that name, by the way. Keenan? Yeah, no. Or Bonder Prodigy? <laughs> Prodigy? No. Bonder? Keenan? Never mind, this is a family show. <laughs> this is a family show. Um, I'll read Keenan uh, the Prodigy uh, for you. What he's a prodigy of remains to be seen. Look at that rope in his hand. Anyway. What? <laughs> he's holding rope. Uh, for <laughs> Get focused. <laughs> for green and a blue, you get a legendary creature, Human Druid 2-2. 
Uh, whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, add one mana of any type that permanent produced. Pay five green and blue. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a non-human creature card from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, so I have been playtesting Keenan. I've got to play him a few times. And he is one of two things. He's gross or he's meh. And and I haven't I haven't seen him find any middle ground yet. Right, and I've only been on the other side of the playtest. I've been the one staring at him on your side of the field, and he hasn't seemed very threatening to me. Mm-hmm. I haven't really wanted to waste any removal on him. However, mm-hmm. I do want you to tell them the story of what happened when you played him and that artifact. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, in case you haven't figured it out, viewers, uh, the artifact in question is uh, Basalt Monolith because Keenan is like the first card ever to break Basalt Monolith. So anyway, uh, turn two, I played Keenan, and in turn three, I played Basalt Monolith. Keenan lets the monolith tap for an extra colorless mana, so now it's tapping for four. So you tap it for four, and then Basalt Monolith lets you pay three to untap it, so you do that, and you generate infinite colorless mana. Which might lead you to ask, Matt, what did you cast with your infinite colorless mana? Yeah, Matt, what did you cast with your infinite colorless mana? And, and we should say, this was on, what, turn three? This is turn three. Turn three, yeah. Turn three. What did you cast with your infinite colorless mana on turn three? Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Ugin the Spirit Dragon. It was so dirty. It was so good. And I'm over here thinking, Keenan is, alright, he's a 2-2 he's a yeah. that's going to give you some extra mana. Alright, whatever. Yeah, no, I had the hand. That was, I just had the hand. That was a really great hand. Yeah, no, it was, it was gross. But uh, it hasn't been like that all the time. No, most of the time he comes down and like my now my stuff taps for a little more and I've got some ramp. I've only been able to trigger him once, I think. I've only been able to pay the seven and do the do the five thing one time. And I think uh, I wound up getting a, a mana dork or something innocuous, like not some big gross creature off of it. Really? Yeah. That's kind of disappointing. Well, I, that's how I felt. Yeah. You're going to pay seven. I'd really like to slam something down that's impressive. But, well, that's that's card games. Yeah, card games. That's it magic. happens. Um, so, so, so far, he's been meh to busted. Um, if you're going to drop a turn three, uh, Ugin. I did build the entire deck around hopefully being able to trigger him and take advantage of his ramp. I was playing Walking Ballistas, uh, Hydroid Craces, lots of X spells. But the funny thing I noticed is these X creatures that curve up with Keenan's mana abilities are actually non-bows with his second ability. Because if you if you flip a, a, a walking ballista off of his second ability, well, it just comes into play as a 0-0 and dies. Um, so that was maybe a deck construction mistake. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it didn't actually come up in the game, but I realized it as I was playing the deck. that Like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of all this mana ramp and all this extra mana I've got floating around, mm-hmm. and I'm going to play all these X creatures so they can be huge, which was great, except that I can't actually flip them if I bother to trigger the second half. So that was probably a deck construction mistake. Well, but, but still, I mean, he's been playing okay. Yeah, he's been playing okay. It's not like Simic isn't a super busted guild already. Hashtag Oko, Hydroid Crisis, Uro, Titan. Those, those those cards aren't any good, are they? Why? I, I'm sorry, viewers. You couldn't see the look of sarcasm on my face. But yeah, those... No, no. Yeah, this, Simic, is ra- this is radio, Simic not is television. Dangerous. This, <laughs> Simic and our cube is dangerous. We've we got to keep an eye on it um, just for power level, actually. Yep. 
And I think that's going to do it. I think that's that's everything that we are playtesting and how it's come up so far and our thoughts on all those cards. Absolutely. I just want to say thank you, if you're listening, for joining us here at Cube for Two and you. Aww. It has been a pleasure. Absolutely. Um, if you have questions or concerns or you want to suggest a, a, a topic for discussion, uh, please feel free to email us uh, at Cube42, all spelled out but one word, Cube42, at Gmail. Um, you can also catch me on Twitter at Cube for Two as well if you want to reach out to me there. Uh, we would love for you to uh, press that little subscribe button next to the podcast thing, and that way you can catch our next episode, which will be coming out. When's our next episode coming out? When we get it ready. Oh, uh, we're not we're not firmed up on our release schedule at the moment. Um, but, but I can tell you that our next episode is going to be on playtesting, how tos, how to playtest your cube. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We want to talk about uh, how I go about picking cards to go in and out. Um, and what's that face for? This is a family show. Uh, how, I, how I play test. <laughs> you you mentioned Keenan and, and everything goes off the rails. In and out. <laughs> I want you to know I'm leaving all of this in. I'm leaving all of this in. <laughs> we'll talk about playtesting how-tos uh, and how I go through my process of picking what stays and what goes to the on-deck binder uh instead of uh in and out anyway we're gonna have to let you guys go because you know the magic is for him and the he is for me so i hope you guys enjoyed our show (laughs) catch us again next time here at cube for two and you cue the music